Hello, hello, and welcome to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, where you'll learn how to get your goals without burning out. I'm your host, Laurie, and this show isn't just about movement and nutrition. You probably already know that exercise and nutrition is important for your mental and physical health and well-being. It's also about stress management, mindset, shedding those limiting beliefs, and working through some of that childhood trauma while you're at it. Today, I'm joined by Casey, who is a certified holistic nutritionist who lives in San Francisco's California. She runs her practice, Your Case for Wellness, where she offers private and group coaching services. After almost a decade of struggling with eating disorders and body image issues, she knew that there must be a better way to approach health. That is what propelled her back to study nutrition. Casey focuses on working with women who are already ready to stop that yo-yo struggle and finally make peace with their food and their body. She helps women to learn to eat in a way that promotes overall health as well as weight loss. She has found what was missing in the health coaching space were coaches and programs that emphasize the importance of mindset and holistic behaviors in tandem with food and exercise. She now coaches women all over the world on how they can truly feel best from the inside out and stress less about food so they can live their lives to the fullest. We really love talking about loads of different topics, including the importance of mindset when it comes to nutrition and fitness, why health is more than just weight loss, daily nutrition habits to enhance your life and why dieting is holding you back. If you found that you're just yo-yoing when it comes to your diet, you're really going to love hearing what Casey has to say today. How is it going today, Casey? It is good. I'm having a good morning, although it's raining here, but I'm excited to talk with you today. Yay! I'm excited to chat to you too. And you're on the West Coast, very West Coast vibe in the background. No one else can see, but we've got the macrame on the wall. Like I've not been to the West Coast of the US much, but it's imagining how it's going to be. (laughs) Definitely. I'm fully embracing it in in my office right now. I love that. Well, you need a beautiful space to be able to create magic, you know? (laughs) Totally. Totally. I'm really excited to chat to you, Casey, because I know you do a lot in the nutrition space. Um, Nutrition, even though I'm a fitness trainer, is more important than movement if I had to choose between the two, because if you're not fueling yourself with good stuff, then it's like harder to build muscles, harder to have that sustained energy and all of that. So I always love having folks on who work with nutrition. And I'm going to start this podcast with the way I start every podcast. And that is, you know, how did you get here? A lot of people when they start fitness, meditation, yoga, like whatever it is, some sort of modality where they're helping people, there's usually a backstory. So tell me your backstory. Yeah. So I grew up very active um, as a kid. I ran cross country and indoor and outdoor track in high school. And my mom cooked a lot of home cooked meals. I didn't really think much about food in my body. I was interested in like healthy food in general, but never to the extent of obsession. And it wasn't until I went going into my junior year of high school, I went for a summer trip abroad to Ecuador. I was doing a community service program. And I started to notice how the girls around me weren't finishing the food on their plate. I was like, should I not be finishing the food on my plate? And I just started to question myself and like kind of second guess myself a little bit. And I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't, shouldn't finish it. And it wasn't again coming from a place of body hatred. But I then got back and I lost weight and I got people noticed like, oh, wow, like you, like you, you particularly lost weight. And 
I was a late bloomer. So I wasn't someone who was getting a lot of comments about my body um, at that age in high school. Uh, so I was like getting noticed. And it wasn't until honestly, years later that I noticed that connection between the two. And it fueled just a really honestly negative feedback loop. It was at a time when I was really trying to control everything in my life. Um, honestly, though, a lot of positive things were happening. And a lot of times we hear of these things starting from a place of negativity and wanting to get control as a result. But for me, I was, I got school records um, and track. I was getting the best grades that I ever had. Like I was just feeling like, oh my God, this is another thing I can control. And then eventually when I went on to college, it got even more out of hand and it wasn't healthy. My, my, my mom tried to intervene and help, but I just wasn't willing to get guidance. Um, and it wasn't until I was really ready to help myself, which was partly in college, but I didn't have the right, uh, resources, honestly, in college. I went to the college dietitian. It just didn't, nothing really stuck. And eventually I just started going on this roller coaster where I, my body had really had enough of like the severe restriction and my hormones were just so not where they should be, should have been. And my hunger was crazy. Like I was so hungry and I was so angry at myself for being hungry. So I would eat foods that I would tell myself I wouldn't, shouldn't eat. And I feel like I'd overeat. And then it'd be so like, I can't do that. And tomorrow I'll be back on my diet. I'll try this diet. I'll try that. I counted every calorie. I did everything. I would run for over an hour a day. It was taking up so much of my life. And I was like, well, if only I could just be like I used to be and just be able to, you know, not eat those quote bad foods. If I could just control again. And so I kept putting myself through so much hell, like all this crap just to try in this pursuit of this body type. And I just was deteriorating my internal and my mental health in the process. And then it wasn't until honestly after college um, and I moved in with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband <laughs> um, and just getting a better perspective. And eventually I sought help and help that I actually found honestly from online, a natural practitioner online who really spoke to me. And it was definitely like more taboo to reach out to people online back then because it was a while ago. Whereas now I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, like this coach online or that, or I, I get this. But um, so something I definitely kept like under wraps a little bit. And she just really helped me to understand how I would be able to better listen to my body, not count calories and be able to still honor nutrition. Because I had dappled in intuitive eating before, but still felt like I wasn't getting enough of the information of how to properly nourish my body. And I wanted to make peace with food, but also understand proper nutrition. So anyways, I went back to study nutrition, have multiple nutrition certifications. Just recently also got my life coach certification just as a, an extra thing there. And I have been teaching women now and coaching women and helping and supporting and guiding and cheerleading women now um, to help them be the healthiest version of themselves, get out of the diet cycle, but also let them know that there's nothing wrong with having aesthetic goals, but we just need to do it from a place of health versus a place of hatred for our body or dieting and get out of that restrictive mindset. Mm, and that's my I spiel. Love- <laughs> that was my long-winded. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love where you are now though. And, and especially how you said there's nothing wrong with aesthetic goals, but it's like, where exactly are those aesthetic goals coming from and can we make them come from a place of health? Because certainly if you're 
your body fat percentage is over 40%, like an aesthetic goal may be valid, but actually it kind of goes into your health and into your your functions. Like when you're 80, you know, you, you don't want as much stress on your joints and stuff like that. But I really want to dive a little bit more into your story first before we we go into like all the things you've learned and how you help people today. Um, can you explain what got out of hand when you're in college? Like, I'm really curious about the root cause of how you can have quite a healthy upbringing. And then all of a sudden we're, we're on that diet train and we're chasing that kind of um, body type. Yeah. So when I, like my freshman year, I, you know, didn't have any, I think a lot of people, you know, they joke about, oh, you go to the cafeteria and you don't have your, your mom feeding your plate. And so maybe things can go the other way for a lot of people. But for me, I was a, I was like came into school being very small and had that identity and then just got, was getting smaller and smaller, like through Mm -hmm. that year. Um, and really wrapped my identity in that too, and was wanting to fuel that. And right. when you're, you're a new person on a college campus and you're making friends. And also I think the culture of, to be honest, like drinking, um, my school wasn't like a crazy party school or anything like that, but really the idea of like, you know, saving up your calories for drinking. Um, whereas in high school, it was just, it was just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to, yeah, like just fully have full autonomy. I just took that too far. <laughs> and I will say though, that I remember calling my mom, she was coming to visit. And I remember saying like, I know I'm not healthy. And I want you to know this before you come. Cause I don't think you're going to, you're not going to like what you see. And I want you to know that I'm working on getting help. And you know, my, my, my mom had tried in the past. And this is why it can be so hard with people who are going through this because it's so mental, obviously, as well. And that's mm-hmm. why I work. Obviously, I don't work with people who have active eating disorders, but I know how your mindset is so connected mm-hmm. with what you're eating. I mean, we know to a general extent, unfortunately, less and less because we're, we're taught so much through diet culture, but we know to a general extent, like eating whole foods is good for our bodies, right? And like, <laughs> let's try to eat protein or whatnot, right? But the reason why people aren't doing that isn't because they don't have some basic knowledge of it. It's because, you know, they are super busy and they don't have boundaries to be able to then carve out some time to meal prep for that 15 minutes or they're just having a primary coping mechanism always be food. Like we have used food, like ever since you went to the doctor, you were given the lollipop, like reward, you get the shot, you get the lollipop. Like this is how we've been associated with food. Celebration is always food. So when we're sad, we also, we're like, you're sad. You know, the trope of the girl who's got broken up with, with the pint of ice cream. Like again, and there's nothing wrong with using food sometimes emotionally, but we need to move it beyond it being our primary coping mechanism And it doesn't matter how many facts about nutrition I give my clients, if they don't have better coping mechanisms set up, if they don't feel confident that they can succeed, if they don't have a sense of worthiness that they're worth putting in the effort for, I'm sure you see with your clients, like they're not going to commit to it. They're not going to feel like they can. And so then they won't. So it's our job as coaches to be able to support them and guide them and go beyond the do this many reps or 
eat this meal plan. And that's why honestly, I don't do meal plans. I, I do help a lot with like recipe guidance. I'll help with meal prep guidance. I'll, 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 I'll even like, you know, so I'll send recipes and help and give guidance on plates, but look, send me pictures of what they're eating. I'll say, maybe a little bit more of this, why don't you add this, blah, blah, blah. But just giving a meal plan or just following a diet, that's not teaching you anything. And then mm. the second that you're off that meal plan, the second you're off that diet, that's when you say, oh, it worked. Well, if it worked, you wouldn't then have regained the weight. You wouldn't have then felt like shit about yourself afterwards. Yeah. We need to find out how we can find a lifestyle. And you always hear like lifestyle, lifestyle. But like the reason why it's annoying to hear lifestyle is because the way that people are using it isn't really about a lifestyle. <laughs> They're just trying to sell you something. Yeah. But what I'm talking about here is truly finding out how nutrition can work with your life and enhance your life. Mm, No, I resonate with so much of what you just said. And I feel like your story is really relatable to so many people because for you, it feels like um, your journey was very much like trying to fit into this identity of what you had for yourself. And really, if you do want to make it a part of your lifestyle, you need a new identity, a new identity of somebody who does prioritize meal prepping. But to get there, it's a process. And, you know, any habit changes is stress, even if it's positive stress. So as you mentioned, like us as coaches guide people through that process. But there's a lot of people listening here that, you know, maybe don't have a coach as well. So I'm really curious, like, how do you help people get from emotional eating and unawareness of emotional eating to um, building that awareness and being able to see a plate of food and having like really great, um, I guess, portions for our macros without calorie counting. Like Mm -hmm. how does that, how does that journey happen? So the first thing is understanding where they are with their nutrition right now. I see a lot of women thinking that they should eat as little as possible. And what ends up happening is when they're eating as little as possible, then they're just making it through the day. And then they're like, why do I eat everything at night? Well, you know, we need to prioritize nutrition earlier in the day. So one thing that we want to focus on is how can we make sure to get a balance of macronutrients? And so I help them with my balanced plate method so that they can understand visually what a plate should look like and understand whether they're going out to eat, whether they're cooking for themselves. I don't want them to feel restricted, to feel like, I need to cook for myself in order to be successful. Nope, not true. We can be healthy truly anywhere. Mm. And definitely focusing on blood sugar stabilizing meals. This is really important that we focus on not having our carbs in isolation. There's more nuance to this, but you know, having protein and fat and fiber because when we have stable blood sugar, we have stabilized energy and it helps to stabilize our cravings. If we aren't doing that, we're going to get those spikes and then crashes. And again, feel like shit. And of course, you're going to turn towards foods that may not actually make you feel good five minutes later. Yeah. So that's the first thing we want to understand a baseline of nutrition. Obviously, we'll do more tweaks of nutrition, but getting a baseline of nutrition there. And I always start with my clients by getting at least five days worth of food that their intake is. And it's not like a My Fitness Pal diary. It's like taking pictures of their food and sending it to me. Um, so that I can understand where they are and where we can improve. Like where are some of the low hanging fruits so we can get some momentum and also that like start making you feel good from session one of us working together. And then from there, really diving in though. And that's what's so important of like the aspect of the personal aspect and the mindset aspect. I'm not just like giving a PDF guide and saying like, okay, like try to figure this out, but it's really working with my clients on a deeper level, understanding what their triggers could be, what 
when are they reaching for that food? What is that type of food? What could that mean? Because it's that specific food. Who are the people that they're living with? What are the other dynamics of that? What's their work like? What's their stress like? What's their sleep like? What's their water intake? Like, We really need to get all of these factors. And if we're not, we are failing our clients. We are failing our clients if we are thinking that we can come in and tell them to eat this and that that will solve everything because we need to understand it. Even, even if like a mindset thing, a lot of times I'll see all or nothing mentality. Oh, I'm really good. Like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is kind of tough. Friday, oh no, and then Saturday, Sunday. So it's it's because I because I can't like I try so hard. I'm so good. I'm on it, and then I always have to restart. Like that mindset of getting on and off and being all good or all bad is really damaging. So I mm-hmm. also give my clients a safe space to help them understand, like logically, why that's not serving them and how having a more moderate approach can work. But what I also find. People have like heard of moderation, they've heard of balance, but they're like, I can't do that. How am I supposed to do that? So by being that coach to support them, I can help them feel like there are guidelines to some degree with moderation and then be able to help them break free without needing me to hold those guidelines anymore. But to start mm-hmm. out, they're like, does this look good? Does that, like, what do you think? And they think, because you know what? That gives them a sense of safety. And my job mm-hmm. is to make them feel safe in their body. When you feel safe in your body by eating enough food, by eating proper food, balancing your hormones, balancing your blood sugar, helping with your stress. When your body feels safe, it can release the excess weight. Mm. If you, doesn't matter what diet you're on, if you are stressing yourself out, you will hit a plateau and then eventually cause damage to your body if you are stressing your body, especially if you're stressing your body out by under eating and then having other stress and not dealing with the root cause. Oh, we're about to dive into a big comment. I I want to like dive into so much of what you just said. And I love what you spoke about on triggers and moderate approach. But something you just said, I just like latched onto. And that is when you feel safe in your body, you can release the excess weight. Because that's kind of like the opposite narrative to what's out there. The narrative that's out there is eat less calories than you expend. Mm-hmm. rather than when you feel safe in your body, you can release it. So can you explain why you can release excess weight when you feel safe in your body? Well, a lot of what's been talked about and what gets recorded, for example, like with intermittent fasting, are studies that are done on men. And men have drastically different hormonal cycles than us. Women, our cycle is anywhere from like 20 to 35 days, roughly, right? Um, with our period. Or... Cycles fluctuate throughout the month and Mm. our hormones fluctuate throughout the month. So as a result, we should have nutrition exercise that's different. Men have the same, follow the cycle of the sun, unlike us following the cycle of the moon. They wake up Mm. to go to bed and same thing over and over. They're they're simpler creatures, I like to say. (laughs) It can be great, but also simpler creatures in terms of their hormones. So when we just think going harder, we have to understand how that impacts our hormones. Mm. And what we do is we see these women on Instagram, but we only see it for a snippet at a time. We don't see what happens after. And mm. so, yes, there's going to be people who be shredded. And to be honest, no one, no, no one really comes to me is like really getting to, to that, wanting to get to that level of like ex- extreme with body physique with me. It's more about like wanting to have a lifestyle. So obviously if you're doing like physique composition, that's just like a whole, that's a whole other, other thing um, that I don't, 
I don't really think I should be talking about. <laughs> um, before the average woman just wanting to feel good in her body, wanting to look healthy, wanting to feel confident in the summer, right? Like mm. it's about, it's, it's realizing the long game because when you're stretching out your body, you're leading to inflammation. And every time you get on and off of your diet, you're leading to more inflammation. So again, it could have that short-term, what you think is a quote success, but long-term makes it harder and harder for you to maintain results, which just makes it harder and harder for you, making you think that you have to eat less and move more, like more, like let and go on that trend more and more, like every month, every year, where if you actually worked with your hormones and instead understood how to eat and move and de-stress and work with them, then you don't need to be fighting your body so much. Mm. I love that. And to be honest, like being safe in my body did did um, translate to weight loss for me specifically, which is why I find this topic so interesting. Could you explain to me specifically how to work with your hormones in a way that is more nurturing, but also like kind of helps you get your goals without burning out. Like it helps you shed that excess weight without getting into this burnout cycle where it's not sustainable. Like what other specific actions somebody would need to take at different points? Yeah. So if we're specifically kind of, I think it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about cycle syncing. So cycle syncing is the practice of utilizing the phases of your cycle in order to help you to understand how to nourish and move your body. Now, there's some people who really go like full on deep with this and like everything they do relate to cycle syncing. And it doesn't have to be to that um, level, but it's definitely a good guide. So when we have our first phase, it's our, our cycle starts with when we start to bleed. So that's menstruation. And so your uterine lining is breaking, breaking down. Progesterone and estrogen are at their lowest point. So there's a reason why you want to, you know, like, lay low a little bit. And it doesn't mean that you can't move, but this is not the time to go for PRs. This is not the time to do the Barry's bootcamp exercise. It's going to further stress out your body and is going to probably then lead you to have less energy for the times that you could make the most out of that exercise. Whereas when we move into our follicular phase, this is when our ovaries are prepared for ovulation. Estrogen starts to rise and prepare uterus for pregnancy. And with that rise in estrogen, we're getting more energy. This is a great time to start upping our intensity of our exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and like to note also with food and menstruation, like it's a good time to drink soothing tea and like chamomile broth, like quality, like grass fed animal protein, soups, like things that are nourishing. Like we should nourish our body, like instead of again, like trying to fight it. Whereas in, in follicular phase, um, really focusing on foods that help to nourish as our estrogen levels are rising. And then ovulation is roughly 24 or 48 hours. And that's like the pinnacle of your cycle. Um, it's a great time to be high intensity, really hitting those PRs. It is when the egg is released um, by one ovary in the fallopian tube. And then we get into the luteal phase and that's 12 to 14 days. Estrogen starts to decline at first, then rise again about a week before your next period. Progesterone rises and stays high until like right about your next period. So the first like week or so of luteal, you're still having a decent amount of energy. Just like those couple of days, mostly like going into your cycle is a time to like go take it easy, like go into yoga and doing or 
like maybe it's a light Pilates, like what it is for you, it's going to be different for everyone's body. But again, these are ways that we can stop biting our body and working with our hormones. Um, and again, being able to nourish our body accordingly. So magnesium rich foods are really great during the luteal phase, um, like dark chocolate, leafy greens, pumpkin seeds. And actually during your luteal phase, your metabolism increases. So making sure to account for that accordingly. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's just like one way with our cycle. Now there's obviously a lot of ways with our hormones when we're talking about with stress, when we're talking about how blood sugar and spiking of blood sugar affects cortisol, which further creates stress. Like how can we eat in a way by not having just simple carbs that aren't paired with other foods so that we cannot have blood sugar spikes and therefore have sustained energy, which therefore helps our hormones to be balanced. Lots of factors here. Hormones are are a very complicated topic that I love to discuss, but it's so nuanced also with person to person. And this is why it's so important to not just do a one size fits all approach because there really isn't a one size fits all. Um, so being able to learn those skills of being able to listen to your body, of being able to tap in is so crucial. Are you tired of constantly feeling burnt out while trying to achieve your goals? Do you find yourself struggling to maintain motivation and productivity over long periods of time? I'd like to introduce you to the Goal Getting Journal, the ultimate solution for those of you who want to surpass their goals without burning out. Our journal is designed to help you set achievable goals, track your progress, and maintain a healthy work-life balance. With our journal, you'll discover practical strategies for managing stress, staying motivated, and avoiding burnout, including time blocking, habit stacking, and so much more. You'll also learn how to prioritize your tasks and maximize your productivity so you can get more done in less time. The Goal-Getting Journal is perfect for anyone who wants to achieve their goals without sacrificing their mental health and well-being. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a student, or just someone who wants to make any positive change in your life, the Goal-Getting Journal can help you stay on track and avoid burnout. And for Holistic Fitness Podcast listeners, you can get 20% off your first journal using the code HF podcast. Go to goalgettingjournal.com and type HF podcast at checkout to get your discount. So what are you waiting for? Order the Goal Getting Journal today and start getting your goals without burning out. So this is the way I'm understanding it. When you're towards the end of your luteal phase and menstruating, that's a time to take it slow, maybe do active rest, or if you love the gym, still go, but maybe don't hit those like personal best numbers more so do what you can with the energy you have and have those soups, have those nutritious kind of foods. But then as you get into that follicular and ovulation phase, like that's when your body's starting to ramp up and you might want to run, do hit, like lift real heavy and, and stuff like that. And it's more so like while this isn't a one size fits all, it's more so learning to listen to our body through those phases and what we need rather than trying to fit ourselves into the mold of we need to be doing the same thing every single day on a 24-hour cycle. Is that right? Definitely. You said it said it perfectly. Awesome. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I definitely feel that um, for myself too. Um, randomly, I have energy to work out on my menstrual phase, but my luteal phase, like I'm chilling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, like it's, there are general guidelines. Um, yeah. And people are like, well, no, no, I just work at whatever. Let's, let's be honest. Let's mm. also dive in. And what results are you seeing? 
what or lack of results are you seeing? How is it affecting other aspects of our life? Just because you can go, go, go doesn't mean you should. And so like what you're saying is during your luteal phase, you feel it. And during your menstrual phase, you can do movement. But I'm sure that the movement you're doing is still making sure that you're still protecting your body in a, in a positive way. So it's something that we, it, it needs to be highly individualized and it should be. And we should just follow one guy that says, oh, this is how you cycle sync either. Like, no, that's not, that's not what the end goal either. For sure. Speaking of like a highly individualized approach, I'm sure like some people are definitely going to want individualized coaching, but some people are going to want to make observations by themselves and use this knowledge so that they can learn more about their body. So can you talk me through that journey that you went with intuitive eating and how how somebody could start to intuitively eat to improve their health? Yeah. So I started learning about intuitive eating and I actually read the book. It's a really great book. When I read that book, I was like nodding my head the whole time. Um, I was like, this is me. I, I, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so I, um, tried to dive in and it really did help me to get a better, a better sense of my relationship with food, of what was honestly not good with my relationship with food and how to be able to work with my body instead of against it. But I still was left with a lot of questions. I did work with an intuitive eating dietitian for a period of time. And again, like that was really great guidance. And I do recommend people understood just like reading, reading the intuitive eating book. Um, it's literally called intuitive eating. So helpful, really eye opening. Um, it will was for me at the time. However, as I said, like it, it got to a point where I was like, okay, yes, I am getting better in my relationship with food, but I'm still not feeling how I want to feel. Mm. And there's got to be something I'm missing here. Yes. And it was when I then was able to better understand how I can utilize nutrition in tandem with listening to my body. Because a lot of what intuitive eating is, how it's talked about online, is just anti-diet culture. Not, it's, not, it's more than that. But a lot of people just think of intuitive eating as like anti-diet culture. And a lot, I do even have clients that have come to me from the intuitive eating world that felt they were shamed if they wanted to lose weight. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to lose weight, right? But it's just if you're doing it from a place of health and it shouldn't be your primary focus. Like we want to focus on other things and other health factors and then like weight loss can come. Um, but there's nothing wrong with wanting to lose weight. There's nothing wrong with having sequels at all. It's again, just like, what is the why? Mm. And what is the approach? We need to make sure the approach is not damaging just be, just for the sake of weight loss, right? And with intuitive eating, with the 10 main principles of intuitive eating, only until the last one do we hear gentle nutrition. And it's, you know, so the focus is not on nutrition with intuitive eating for the most part. Mm. Which again, for a lot of people, especially depending on where you are with like recovery, for example, um, from an eating disorder or where you are with your relationship with food, Sometimes you really just, you can't focus on nutrition. Sometimes you really just do need that. But for where I was, I was like, I, again, I I was someone who was already passionate about nutrition. So there just seemed like a missing gap for me. And so when I was able to learn more about nutrition, how it can empower me versus Mm -hmm. nutrition just for the sake of diet and nutrition just for the sake of being smaller, that's when everything changed for me. 
That's awesome. I love that because I think, and my first question was going to be, how do you kind of develop your intuition around intuitive eating? Because um, I feel like we've lost our intuition. You know what I mean? Like we have such busy lives that we're just go, go, go all the time. And then we lose our intuition. So how how can you actually be intuitive while you're eating while not just going for what you feel like. You know what I mean? Like just going for like the brownie or the Coca-Cola or whatever you're addicted to. Well, first of all, getting in the mindset of saying I'm addicted to, like getting that mindset yeah, yeah, of thinking yeah. you're addicted to it is going to negatively <laughs> affect your relationship. If you say you are, you are. Like, yeah, I have a problem. Okay, then just because you think you have a problem, you do. So we need to really backtrack and understand that. Um, we also need to make sure that you're eating enough nourishing foods again for the whole idea of with your cravings and working with your hormones, with your blood sugar to be able to put you at baseline so that you are eating enough of foods that are proper for you and your body so that you aren't having to feel like I need to go and eat that entire bag of chocolate at the end of the day. That being said, we also have to question our beliefs of like what the all or nothing mindset is, recognize the all or nothing mindset, recognizing where the triggers are again with like stress. Is it at the end of the day with your job? Is it your kids? Is it your partner? Is it your friend? Like what are your triggers that you're finding? Is it your sleep? Again, it kind of goes back to that. But mm. a big part of it is also get it the, really starts with getting out of the mindset that there's good versus bad foods. Now I will not say like people say like, there's no good versus bad foods, all's equal. Like that's somewhat of what some people in the intuitive eating community will say. And that's not serving. I do not think it's serving people either. Like we are adults. You deserve <laughs> to know what the fuck is going on with your food. <laughs> and yes. like, it's not all equal. It's not, but it doesn't mean make you good or bad for eating one food versus the other. That's the difference. So no, eating frosted flakes is not going to make you feel as good as eating, you know, an egg breakfast with whole wheat toast and avocado, whatever, right? But doesn't make it bad to eat frosted flakes. It doesn't make it bad. But like, can we think about, okay, if you like the frosted flakes, cool. But like, let's then try to have maybe like focus on not about eating less, but like how can we round it out? And then naturally you'll eat less of it. So instead of just having a huge bowl of frosted flakes, what are other breakfast foods you like that have protein, have fat, have fiber? How can we move that around? Instead of focusing on like, this is bad and this is good. Because when we focus on that, we in turn, how the hell would you not think you're good or bad from eating that food? Mm. Because you're literally consuming it. You say that's good and bad and then you're eating it and it's in your body. So we need to get out of the mindset of labeling. Labeling is a huge thing that I work with people to get beyond. And it's something that once they stop labeling it, they also stop having the same obsession. Because one thing too is, for example, you think of kids and you say like, don't think about, like if I told you right now, like don't think about a pink elephant, all you want to think about is pink elephant. And that's the same thing with diets and with food and the way we think we're quote obsessed. Because we say we can't have carbs. So what do we want? All we want are carbs. Mm. Whereas if I say you have no rules, people are like, what? No, there's no rules. <laughs> these, are, these are how we're going to try to balance the plate. I'm not going to yell, whatever. And then you become empowered. It's not about mm-hmm. Do because we we've been so much of our life like do things for the teacher for the grade for them for whatever. But this is about you and your life. And when I'm not looking and when you're not working with me anymore, we still want you to feel healthy and want to be healthy for your motivation. So also getting a having a greater motivation and a greater why. And that's why I always say like 
there's no problem with wanting to lose weight, but you need to have a bigger reason why, because the weight loss is not what's going to stop you from like not eating the family size bag of chips and then the, and then the chocolate covered pretzels. Like it's, it's fleeting. That motivation just for weight loss is pretty fleeting. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. No, I love all those examples that you kind of provided there because no one likes to be told what to do. Like, even though we do have the achievement and stuff like that, um, no one likes to be told what to do in terms of like bad and good foods and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, Yeah, I don't think anyone likes to be told what to do. So labeling, I'm totally aligned with you in that regard. So um, labeling things definitely isn't ideal. Something you mentioned earlier, though, I'm really curious about. um, You mentioned like you want to get rid for most of your client of like counting calories. Do you think there's any value in counting calories or is your plate method really the best method for for people? I am not a fan of calorie counting. now, do I know that some people are then able to use the information that they use from calorie counting to maybe help them with guidance? Sure. But from where I stand and from the clients that work with me, it's just not going to be something that's beneficial for them. One thing I do find that is beneficial though is to be aware of more protein and where that comes from. So I don't have them count it, but being aware of the amount of grams of protein in certain food. And that could be just mm. something to be able to then be conscious of but not from counting. Counting then can lead to a lot of anxiety than when they don't have access to be able to count. And I also know that food is so much more important than calories. And I really want to get out of the in versus out mindset. And it is so much more than just calories and in versus out. Our bodies are not math equations. There's complicated scientific experiments. So it is not just about in versus out. Obviously, there is some science to in versus out. I'm not going to say that like, obviously people do get success with that, but we can get there and then do it in a way that is allows us to eat more, is more beneficial for our body, not just for weight loss mm. and without the obsession. For sure, and, yeah. And some people will say like, I can count calories and it's not obsessive. I find it pretty hard for people to be able to long-term be able to do that in a way that is not obsessive and that leads them to results long-term. There are some people who will do something like that short-term, again, to get a sense of their portions and whatnot. Again, that's not something I teach, but I can see where that can work for some people. But otherwise, if you're not understanding it within the greater context this is something that you're going to be beholden to together. And you think of the same people who have gone Weight Watchers forever counting points. Like, is that really how you want to live your life? Mm. And again, a lot of that all or nothing mentality goes back in because when you can't count the calories because you're not at a restaurant that doesn't write their calorie count or whatever it is, or some people like bring their freaking food scale out. Is that really a life you want to live? I have never seen that, but that is crazy. Do people bring their food scales out? No one to... I work with, obviously. Okay. But yeah, I mean, but you've heard of that before. That's oh, wild. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I understand it if you're a bodybuilder, if you have a very specific goal, and you're in like that cutting phase or whatever. I don't work with bodybuilders personally, but I've worked in a bodybuilding <laughs> you mean, you gym, so I get it. <laughs> Yeah. I get it, but um, but wow, that makes total sense. Hey, I'm with you in terms of I think that calorie counting can be amazing, and especially 
if you get the macronutrient breakdown, can be amazing for gaining a sense of awareness of how Mm. much you're putting in your body. Because somebody who's never calorie counted a lot, and I work with people who never calorie counted in their life, um, you can give them a plate of like a, a an ideal breakdown, like of course not restricting everything, but some people generally do just need to know like how much protein is in stuff. But you mm-hmm. can also get that by just taking a look at the labels for a month and then learning how much protein is in stuff. Um, but I definitely think even with a lot of the apps that are out there, you might say you want to lose weight and you're sedentary or whatever, and it might give you calories that are really low. And even the macronutrient breakdown sometimes can be a bit lower on the protein as as well. You're essentially allowing, um, you're essentially taking the power away from yourself in many of those Mm. circumstances. But my personal opinion is that it can be a good awareness tool for some folks. That's how you say like giving your power away too. Yeah. And also when I work with, I mean, I have group coaching, but I also like with my private coaching and um, people will send me pictures of their food. And so that helps me to understand portions to a certain degree. And I'll mm. help them understand what portions could look like yeah, in order to get like enough of that protein. And though, again, I really find it hard for people. It also depends on like what kind of, the people who are coming to me are really trying to get out of that diet and mentality, but still like get healthy. So again, focusing on calories and hitting a certain calorie count gives that power away, like you said, in a lot of cases also though, really takes them away from being able to listen to their body a lot of the time. Mm. And so we kind of need some of that trial and error. It's actually not about being perfect. It's about like trying to figure it out and like maybe, maybe overeating sometimes, maybe undereating sometimes. And then in the morning being like, oh my God, then I overeat the next day. And we realize like you didn't eat enough and whatever. The day Understanding before, yeah. And learning <laughs> from that. You, you actually should have, it's not really failure, but like you should have, you should mess up a little bit. Like, and that messing up is part of the process. It's part of the journey. You Mm -hmm. should have like some little, oh, oopsies. Okay. That's how we can learn from that. If you don't actually mess, quote, mess up at all while you're working with me, less beneficial. It's better when you do and we can learn from it. For sure. No, I'm with you on that. Like you've got to, you've got to fuck up a few times to find out, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like a lot of people say, oh, that how you're really lucky because you got this. It's like the luck was the repetitions of learning through trial and error. Mm -hmm. I'm really, actually, one more thing on calorie counting. The one thing also that when you're calorie counting that you alluded to that it doesn't provide is you may be eating processed foods to hit those macronutrients or to hit those calories. That's the one other thing that it doesn't always capture. Um, Because as you mentioned earlier, like we all know that like whole foods are likely the best thing for us. And, you know, whole foods are really king for lack of a better word there when it comes to your when when it comes to nutrition but um as you mentioned with your plate method like that's how you help guide people into maybe what those whole foods might look like while not restricting anything yeah and it definitely can create a lot of fear associated with like high fat foods because high fat foods are higher calorie yes and so should i have the wait should i only have the egg whites or should i you know no, we can learn like egg whites have a lot of protein. So then we have the two eggs and egg whites and then we can hit our protein, right? With things like that. But it's, as I said, I, I get, definitely gets into the mindset of make that good or bad, the cycle there that got them there in the, here in the first place. So we got to figure out another way. And again, um, it really is your mindset and approach around it. Mm. But I do think a lot of people convince themselves that they're normal around it. With, with calorie counting when 
it's taking up a lot more of their life and time mm. than it probably should. I think my general takeaway is like, if you've been calorie counting for a while, but you're still not getting the results you want, you still don't feel good, then maybe we need to take another approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because because there are some people that have been calorie counting for years and still don't have the results that they want. Mm-hmm. And I was someone who calorie counted for years. So to some degree, it's been helpful to lose some of that information from not doing it for years now to not like know the exact amount of calories put to certain things. But at the same time, I had a better understanding of some things of like how much protein some things had and whatnot. Or mm. things being high in fiber. But again, that's less about the calories. It's more about how the nutrition in it. Mm. And assuming you were saying like with processed foods, we aren't saying don't eat processed foods ever. But also if you, so many of these diet products, like <laughs> let's, if you like it, okay. But we shouldn't be prioritizing a product because it's low calorie. Mm, yeah. I'd prefer a chocolate bar to an Atkins bar for, you know, yeah. it's like, I'll still have a chocolate bar every now and again, rather than, you know, um, I think that kind of brings us to something you talk about a lot though, is wanting, you think that you've explained losing weight from a place of health. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with wanting to lose weight. I think we've alluded to a few of the things that could be, but what does that actually look like? What's the mindset? Yeah. So when we think about losing weight from a place of health, we're thinking about health from mind and body. So health, I want more energy. I want to be able to play with my, I just like think of literally, I'm just thinking of things that kids kid say, I want to be able to throw my kid in the air and have energy <laughs> to do so and play with him. I want to not feel like I'm like a bitch to my partner because I'm just like so depleted because mm-hmm. you're hurting I want to finally feel confident in my clothes. I want to be able to go out to eat and not feel like I have to eat everything and feel normal around food. I want to live longer. I want to not have diabetes like my so much of my family members. I want to stop feeling so sore and inflamed all the time, right? Like it coming from a place of, I, what you want to do to help your mindset and your body be healthier that isn't just weight related. And again, like part of the being confident, you could be, a lot of times we think a certain number on the scale is going to make us confident. And it's usually a lot of other things. Also, as I know as a trainer, you know, like weight is, you know, when we're talking about muscle, whatever, there's a lot of, a lot of other factors there, but we, start to realize when we go through this process that our relationship with food is indicative of a relationship with a lot of things in life. Mm. And the way we approach food is an indicator of a lot of times that the way we approach a lot of things in life. So if we're just using foods coping, we're like, where, where are we not addressing greater issues in our life? Mm. If we're just doing that all or nothing, where else are we doing that all or nothing in our life? Mm. Where else are we not prioritizing our mindset and our health in our life? Whether it's, our, whether where else are we not having balance in our life, whether it's our work-life balance, our relationship balance, our friends, our family. And when you start to understand that it, it's indicative of a bigger picture, it starts to have a lot more purpose and meaning. Hey, Holistic Fitness fam, a quick message from one of our sponsors, Ned. 
As you all know, I recommend good nutrition, movement and stress management practices before supplementing so you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs. For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. I'm a type A, high energy, ambitious business girly with massive goals. And sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. I've found that both Ned's de-stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goal getter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full spectrum hemp and their benefits. Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. All of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code Lori Lee. L-O-R-I-L-E-E. Thanks, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. Can you provide an example of that where you've seen, you know, maybe a new client, of course, you're not going to name names, or maybe with yourself, an example of where their relationship with food really impacted, was really like something else that was going on that that they could see as well? Yeah, so I've had a few clients who come to me thinking that they come to me with, with food and feeling like they are not in control of food. And they also see themselves drinking more than they want to, not to the point of like mm. being like, I'm an alcoholic, but worrying because they have family members that had that. And I'm obviously not like an AA instructor. That is not mm-hmm. my scope of practice, but with the clients, and I'm thinking of a few in particular, we focus on really enhancing their life, really working on self-care, really prioritizing nutrition, but not an all or nothing mindset. And it totally changed their relationship with alcohol without that being the focus. Wow. And it was such a self-esteem boot, boot, boot. boost. <laughs> Thank you. Boost for, I'm thinking of these few women because they thought they had this narrative of like, I'm going to be like this family member who has a problem. Mm. And obviously that's like, also it's health related, but it's just in a different way. Um, I see a lot of people too coming to me saying like, oh, I just, I'm addicted to sweets or whatever. And then realizing they're not bringing pleasure in their life. And so the only way they're getting pleasure is through candy and sweets and, and then finding other things and how they've been able to then utilize those principles with their family members and teach their family members. So 
they really can have positive effects, not just on you and your relationship with food and your relationship with other people, but also really the people around you, not just because of how you are now treating them because you feel better, because you have better boundaries, because you now set up expectations, because you're caring for yourself so that you can be a better human for yourself. And then as a result for yourself, for others, but also, especially as women, we are teachers. Sometimes we are moms, we are sisters, we are daughters, and we teach people around us about what we learn. And when we feel finally feel confident enough in the practices that we learn, we can teach other these positive things we've learned and be that positive influence. Mm. I love the way you explain that one thing. You know, when you're not experiencing pleasure in other areas of your life, you seek that pleasure from food and alcohol, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that makes total sense. And and it just goes to show like what well, kind of circling back to what we were speaking about earlier, like when you alleviate stress in other areas of your life and like even bring in more pleasure, I'm hearing, you, almost the food journey becomes a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. Because again, like when we eat food, to, I rarely hear people coming to me saying, I am so pissed. I had like one, I had one more slice of cake when it was like a birthday or celebration, right? I mean, sometimes you're like, oh, I, you know, I have that extra. But it's when we we feel like the most crap, it's like when I ate that store-bought whatever by myself at home yes. and I finish it and I feel, that's when you feel like crap about yourself. Yeah. So we need to be able versus again, like I, I'm, 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 I'm not saying I don't have clients that come to me that are like, oh, I like had a birthday party and I don't know, whatever. But it's just a different way you talk about yourself and a different way you have mm. guilt or shame associated with it. Yes. So we need to break that cycle. We need to stop. We need to be stopping so hard on ourselves because that's what's leading us to get to that cycle in the first place. <laughs> yeah. But we also need to get support. And we so often act as if getting support and getting guidance means we're failing. And it's a very opposite coming from someone who's now on the other side who got support from multiple people and it didn't work. I learned a little bit, but like it, 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 the first person I went to isn't the, who helped. I went to, yeah, in high school, in college. It wasn't until after when I finally, and even the person, the first person I went out to college was like helping me to a certain degree. But the thing is I was committed. I knew that even though I didn't know exactly how I was going to change, I knew I deserved to change. Mm-hmm. And the people you need to at least find within some part of you that you deserve it. You deserve Mm -hmm. to change. You may not know how, you may not know what that's going to look like. You may not know what it takes to get the inputs to get to that end result. But if you don't even have a, if you don't have a baseline of thinking that you deserve to change, it's going to be really hard to get you to results in a way that is sustainable, maintainable and healthy. Mm. So true that, that, that change starts with yourself. You can have as many mentors as, as you like, but until you deserve that you believe you deserve, you feel like you deserve to change, the change isn't going to happen. We've spoken exactly. about a lot today, Casey. We've spoken about intuitive eating, emotional eating. We've spoken about like calorie counting, like all of the things. Um, and time is coming to a close, but we do have a closing question. Okay. And that question is, if you are sitting across from your 20-year-old self right now, what one sentence mm. of advice would you give her? Ooh. Okay. I think you are so much more than your body, but also there's no point of fitting in if it doesn't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. There's no point of fitting in if it doesn't feel good. I... um. 
I feel that. I had the opposite experience. I never tried to fit in, but I still felt loneliness because, you know, we all want to be a part of a tribe. Never a popular girl, always had ideas that were against the grain. Never tried to fit in, but it definitely sucks not fitting in. Um, So I think so many people, including myself, will relate to that. (laughs) I definitely silenced like my... I silenced, I feel like, parts of myself. And when I eventually moved out West, I think that really helped me to fully embrace who I was. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I didn't have good friends. It was just, and I'm still good friends with those people from other parts of life. And it's, and it's great. But um, I think I spent a lot of time trying to prove myself to be something that I wasn't. And yes. I'm just so much happier, obviously. I'm not trying that. to be anything I'm not anymore. <laughs> I love that. I, I've i lived out West and out East. I didn't feel like I fit in out West. I don't feel like I fit in East. I'm like, oh, I'm somewhere in the middle. Bit of a Westie, bit of an East Coast girly, yeah. somewhere in the middle. That's so funny. Well, I'm originally from the East Coast, so I, I went far. <laughs> yes, I love that. I'm sure so many people want to get to know more about you, your services, your socials, all that sort of stuff. So where can anyone that's curious find you? Yeah. So the best way to connect with me, send me a DM is on Instagram, your case for wellness, um, spelled out F O R. Um, so that's like where I'm honestly most present. I have a few private coaching slots available. I also have a wait list for my group coaching program. And I even have a course that is a prenatal nutrition and fitness course that I did with my friend who is a prenatal fitness specialist. So that is available for um, enrollment as well. So those are the ways to work with me right now. Yay. And all those links will also be in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Casey, for joining us today and chatting all things nutrition and mindset with us. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It was was a great conversation. Thanks so much. And for anyone listening at home, in the car, cleaning the house, whatever you're up to today while listening to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, eat well, move well, breathe well. And until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.